This episode of Check the Locks is brought to you by our friends at Audible. Audible is your one-stop shop for audio entertainment where you can always find the best of what you love or discover something new. That's right. Audible offers an incredible selection of audiobooks across every genre, from mysteries, thrillers, biographies, and of course, true crime. And as an Audible member, you can choose one title a month from their catalog to keep forever, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. Audible members also get access to thousands of podcasts from popular favorites, exclusive new series, and this very podcast you're listening to now. Plus, the Audible app makes it easy to listen anytime, anywhere. While traveling, working out, walking the dog, doing chores, Audible makes listening anywhere easy. And best of all, Check the Locks listeners can try Audible for free for 30 days. So head over to audibletrial.com slash check the locks or click the link in the show notes to start enjoying Audible today. Warning, Check the Locks podcast is a true crime podcast and may contain graphic descriptions of violence, murder, sexual assault, and more. Check the Locks podcast is not appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Welcome back to Check the Locks Podcast. As always, I'm John Connor. I'm Olivia Cornu. Saying thank you for joining us this week as we dive into yet another truly terrifying true crime case. Before we get started, Olivia, as always, it's wonderful to see you. It is only 922 at night, so we're actually recording pretty early. How are you? How is your house guest sleeping behind you? Tell me what's up. How are you doing? I'm happy we're recording really early. And yes, I have a house guest sleeping behind me right now. It's my mother. She's crashing into the podcast room tonight, but she's been instructed to be very quiet. It's the ultimate Patreon benefit. If you sign it up, is. that's what I told her. You pay enough money, you can come sleep in Olivia's guest room while we record <laughs> the podcast. It's a lovely sight. Well, I'm very glad that you're getting to spend time with family. There are worse things in the world than having, you know, people you care about hanging out. So glad that you're doing well. This is your seven off, right? So it's been a pretty easy week for you. I mean, if you don't count schoolwork. I don't know that the listeners know that I'm in school again, but yes, schoolwork for the birds. Yeah. Well, you know, that's why I never did any and <laughs> never will. <laughs> I don't know why I am. I don't need any more. I told you not to do it. I, I said, know. Olivia, let me tell you something about school. It's for dummies. Don't do right. it. Don't do it. But this week is my week. And I have to tell you, I think I got a heavy hitter. I hope you've already eaten dinner because I have a feeling that afterward you're not going to want to. Not going to want to go to Taco Bell tonight at midnight? I, I honestly don't think so. Well, I was already feeling a little nauseous before I even came up here to start recording, so this may not turn out good. Well, I'm glad I picked this one because it, now it's going to be a science experiment. We may, may get some bodily functions on the podcast for the very first time. <laughs> but what do you say? Should we just jump into it? Are you game to hear what I brought? Yeah, let's get started. Awesome. So this week, we are actually going international to discuss a case out of Aberdeen, New South Wales in Australia. And I wanted to take a moment because we actually have some listeners in Australia. One of them is in our Facebook group. So hopefully you enjoy this episode. Definitely reach out and let us know if this is a case that you are familiar with. 
just really crazy that this was the case I was looking at. And then I was like, oh, we've got people in the Facebook group from Australia. That just works perfectly. So we're going down under this week. Going down under. Now, on March 1st, 2000, a neighbor had noticed that John Price's utility truck was parked in the driveway when he should have been at work. At around 8 a.m., not wanting John to get in trouble, the neighbor walked over to the home and began knocking on the bedroom window, but there was no response. The concerned neighbor then made their way to the front door, but before they could knock, they noticed something, a small amount of blood on the wooden exterior of the home. Immediately fearing the worst, the neighbor contacted the local authorities, and nothing could prepare the police for what they found inside the home. When they arrived, investigators forced entry inside through the back door, and to their shock, they were met with a truly disturbing sight. In a doorway arch leading to the living room was a man's skin hanging on a meat hook, and the gruesome discoveries didn't stop there. On the living room floor near the front door of the home were headless and skinless human remains. Now, the body was on its back, or supine, as we've learned. I'm glad you learned something. I'm glad I could teach you something, John. Thanks to you and the people in the Facebook group who let me know I was an idiot. (laughs) So the body was on its back, and blood smeared the carpet around the body. Now, on a nearby chair lay a knife-sharpening stone and an open pack of cigarettes. Police also discovered a note on top of a broken picture of a man. The note read, Time got you back, Jonathan, for raping my daughter. You too, Beck, for Ross, for Little John. Now play with Little John's dick, John Price. Shaken to their core at what they discovered, the police continued to investigate, and that's when they heard snoring. They followed the sound to a bedroom near the back of the home, and there, investigators discovered a woman sleeping on a double bed. This woman was Catherine Mary Knight. So before we go any further... What are you thinking off the bat? Does this sound familiar to you? Anything like that? I mean, you lost me a little bit with human skin hanging in the living room. But I'm really curious to hear who this Catherine woman is that's sleeping in the bed while this is just like taking place in the house. Well, I'm glad that you're curious because that's what we're about to talk about. And we're going to cover all of the events that led up to this gruesome discovery. But I had never heard about this. And as soon as I started researching, no pun intended, I was hooked. I was like, I have to know what is going on with this story. So I don't know. Should we just keep going? Yeah, let's keep going. Now, Catherine Mary Knight was born on October 24th, 1955 in Tenerfield, Australia. And from the moment she arrived in the world, she would be part of a scandal. Knight's mother, Barbara Rohan, was married and already had four boys. But she had begun to have an affair with a man named Ken Knight. And it was then that she became pregnant with Catherine. Now, at the time, Tenerfield was a small conservative town, and news of the affair quickly became hot gossip. Sadly, things did not get better for the young girl. Knight's father was an alcoholic with a mean temper, and he would rape her mother several times a day. In fact, Catherine herself claimed to have been sexually assaulted by family members until the age of 11. Now, like most children who are suffering trauma at home, Catherine obviously lashed out at school. She was a bully who would terrorize the other children in class, and at the age of 15, without knowing how to read or write, Knight would drop out of school. It was at that time that she landed a job working at a clothing factory, but only a year later, Catherine Mary Knight would land her, quote, dream job. She was employed by a slaughterhouse, and it was there that Knight would slice out the internal organs of different animals. Now, according to Australian journalist Peter Lalore, 
Knight was so proud of her work that she hung her first set of butcher knives over her bed. And it was while working in the butcher shop that Knight met a romantic interest. His name was David Kellett. And much like her own father, Kellett was a violent alcoholic who never shied away from a fistfight. And one night, Catherine surprised her new love interest by jumping in to help out in one of his brawls. Now, originally attracted to the dysfunction, David Kellett would grow to regret his decision to become involved with Knight. She was very controlling and domineering, and in 1974, Knight convinced David Kellett to get married, a decision he would later kick himself for. Throughout the ceremony, Kellett continued to drink heavily, and Knight's own mother warned him of his daughter's violent streak, saying she's got a screw loose somewhere. Now, on their wedding night, to consummate the marriage, the couple had sex three times, but Catherine Mary Knight wanted a fourth. However, Kellett was exhausted and he drifted into sleep. And that didn't sit well with Catherine, so she climbed on top of her new husband and she began to strangle him. Now, thankfully, Kellett woke up and was able to fight Knight off of him. And even though his bride attempted to kill him on their wedding night, the marriage would last for more than a decade, which I don't know about you, but in my head, I was like, well, that's an immediate red flag. You know, nobody, <laughs> that's a real quick ending to the honeymoon phase. So I didn't know uh, if you had any yeah, thoughts, thanks. but I was like, that's nuts. I'm like, and he chose her. At least I didn't choose mine. They didn't show that on Lifetime? We were <laughs> no. like, ah! <laughs> Got the boot. Now, much like her parents' relationship, Knight's marriage was a rocky one. They would have two daughters together, but Kellett would often cheat on his wife. One evening, after learning of Kellett stepping out, Catherine placed their two-month-old infant on a set of train tracks shortly before it was set to arrive. Luckily, the train never came and the child's life was spared. Knight was also seen swinging and pushing her child in a stroller violently while walking down a busy street. Now, she would later be diagnosed with postnatal depression. And after her diagnosis, Knight spent time in a psychiatric hospital. And it was there that she told the nurses that she planned to kill the mechanic who worked on her husband's car. According to Knight, if the mechanic hadn't fixed the vehicle, her husband would have never been able to cheat. Again, great rationale. You know, I get the train of thought. I, I'm just like, who thinks this way? Take accountability for your own actions, ma'am. I definitely agree. But can you see why I was like, oh, I need to read more. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, just keep going. I don't need to say anything. I just need <laughs> you to keep going. And I'm sure you can see my facial expressions. I'm like, mm. Now, what's crazy is after her release, Kellett took his wife back, at least for a time. Okay. He has issues too. Yeah. It's dysfunction, man. Dysfunction yeah. loves dysfunction, you yeah. know? We've talked about it before, but I know couples that have been together for years that are like, yeah, we fist fight each other. I'm like, that's terrible. That's not healthy at all. No, not at all. Whatever works. Teach their own. Yep. Now, Kellett would eventually leave her and Knight fell into a deeper depression. But that depression wouldn't last long because in 1986, shortly after her relationship with Kellett ended, Knight found a new love interest, a local miner named David Saunders. Now, Again, the pair hit it off immediately, and within a matter of months, Saunders had moved in with Knight and her two daughters. However, he still had his own apartment in his own name, and this didn't sit right with Catherine. She quickly became jealous and believed that he was using the apartment to fool around on her. And like her relationship with Kellett, the toxicity began to spread, along with the violence. One evening, during an argument, Catherine Mary Knight slit the throat of David Saunders' two-month-old puppy. And her reasoning, just to show him what she was capable of. And yet, 
In spite of this horrific violence, the couple remained together. In fact, they would have a daughter just a year later. But like her relationship with Kellett, this one wouldn't last. And shortly after the birth of their daughter, Knight attempted to kill her husband with a pair of scissors. For David Saunders, this was the last straw, and he left the relationship immediately after the attack. So she's developing a track record. Yeah, and is she keeping all of these children? Like she has, do we know that? Like all the kids are being raised with her? So she had two daughters when they got together, and when he moved in, it was her and the two daughters. So it sounds like she's keeping the children. And then they had one together, and then he leaves. Man. Now, shortly after... Knight would start a new relationship with a man named John Chillingworth, and the couple were together for three years and even had a son together. But surprisingly, there were no reports of violence during their relationship. However, Chillingworth would leave Knight when he learned that she was having an affair with another man, and his name was John Charles Price. So she's having an affair now? Yes, she was married to John Chillingworth and then met John Price, who we mentioned at the beginning of the story, And now they're together. Well, she like tried to kill her husband with scissors because she thought he was cheating on her and then strangled the other one and so forth and so on. And now she's doing the same thing. Yeah, it's called rules for thee, not for me. (laughs) (laughs) Do as I say, not as I do. Right. Okay, keep going. Now, the beginning of their relationship seemed to be smooth sailing. Price was a minor as well, and he had two kids of his own that lived with him. He made a good living, and the couple and their children seemed to live a comfortable life. And in 1995, the pair would move in together. But things would change when Knight began to push the idea of marriage. When Price expressed that he just wasn't interested, a switch in Catherine seemed to flip. She went so far as to frame Price for stealing from the company that he worked for, and this led to him being terminated by his employer. Now, Price was angry and understandably kicked her out of the home. But surprisingly, a short time later, he would take her back. However, at this point, she was not allowed to move back into the home. And according to a friend of Price, this is when the violence really began to escalate. In fact, in February of 2000, the pair got into an argument. But it ended when Knight attempted to stab Price in the chest. Now, realizing the violence his girlfriend was capable of, Price took out a restraining order against Catherine. And his main concern was making sure that his kids were safe. He also told his co-workers that if he ever went missing, Catherine Mary Knight had something to do with it. And Price would soon learn that his intuition was correct. On February 29th, 2000, John returned home from work. He spoke with neighbors like he always did and was in bed by 11 p.m. Now Knight would show up at the house shortly after. And it was then that she made herself something to eat. She watched TV and took a shower. She then went upstairs and climbed into bed with John, and she woke her boyfriend up by saying that she wanted sex. And like most men, Price was happy to oblige. After, John went back to sleep, and it was then that Catherine Mary Knight retrieved a butcher's knife that she kept near the bed. She then proceeded to stab John Price 37 times. Now, the evidence would later show that Price had awoken during the attack, but unfortunately, he could not fight Knight off, and sadly, he succumbed to his wounds. And when I read that, I was like, 37 times? That is some crazy overkill. Like, whenever it's a super high number like that, it's just like overkill flashes in my brain. Yeah, that's a lot. That's obsessive. Like, it's too much. Well, I'm just thinking about, like, the anger you would have to have in your body. To stab somebody 37 times. I mean, I can't imagine stabbing a person one time is easy to do. 
You know what I mean? Like if you truly like stab somebody and pull the knife out, depending on where you're hitting, you're hitting bone, thick flesh. Like that's a hard thing to do. Yeah. I mean, you're pulling meat out with you. Like stuff gets you know yeah. stuck. Yeah. And I don't know if because she worked in the slaughterhouse or, you know, was used to cutting through animal hides and carcasses, if maybe it just wasn't a challenge for her. But to me, it's just like the level of fury that you have to have to be like, I mean, 37 times, like my arm, like I imagine my arm would be tired. Yeah, I would imagine being tired after just a few. Yeah, it's crazy. Now, the following morning, not only did the neighbor call the authorities, but John's co-workers had called as well. And these events would lead us back to the beginning of this week's story. Now, once on the scene, police realized that Catherine Mary Knight had ingested a large number of sleeping pills. That's why she was in the bedroom snoring. Seems that she had attempted to kill herself, but really she had just put herself into a very deep sleep. And it was at that point that she was transported by ambulance to the local hospital. But investigators still had the grueling task of examining the rest of the crime scene. Do you think this was supposed to be like a murder-suicide type case and then she just woke up because the police got there? I definitely think it was supposed to be a murder-suicide. She took a bunch of sleeping pills. I don't think she took enough Mm -hmm. or maybe what she thought she was taking was stronger because, you know, the note that she left on top of that also seemed like it was kind of like a... Like, this is why I did it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird thing to leave if you're not trying to kill yourself as well, you know? Now, as they made their way through the home, they noticed a trail of blood leading from the living room to the kitchen. And once inside, detectives spotted blood on the refrigerator door and handle. Bloody footprints tracked across the floor. But an aluminum pot sitting on the stovetop caught the investigators' eyes. The burner itself was off, but the pot was still warm to the touch. And when they opened the lid, no one was prepared for what they found. Inside was John Price's skinned human head, and it was floating in a mix of broth and vegetables. But the horror didn't end there. On the kitchen table, detectives found two plates. Both contained baked potato, baked pumpkin, zucchini, cabbage, yellow squash, and gravy. But there was something else, a type of cooked meat. The police also noticed that each plate had a piece of paper next to it with a name written on it. Beaky on one and Jonathan on the other. And it was then that the shock of what was happening truly sunk in. Beaky and Jonathan were the names of John Price's children. And Catherine Mary Knight was going to serve his children their own father for dinner. Additionally, the police found a third plate with all of the same items on it. However, this plate was half eaten. And authorities believe that Knight had her own taste test but couldn't finish the meal. So I see your face. What are you thinking? Because this is where I was like, my jaw hit the floor when I was researching. So what do you think? Surely she just ate the mashed potatoes and the squash and the vegetables and didn't eat the meat. No. I can't. She ate the meat. She's an Australian cannibal. This is almost like Willie Pigton when I decided I shouldn't eat meat for a little while. I might not eat meat again for a little while. Yeah, well, at least Willie Pickton was selling it to other people. He wasn't like, I mean, my own burgers. I'm going to feed my boyfriend to his children. This is what Ambien does to you. People get up, drive cars, eat the whole refrigerator, and don't remember doing it. You just happen <laughs> to kill been, your boyfriend, cook a whole meal, and feed it to his kids. That would have been a hell of an excuse. Oh, it was Ambien. I took Ambien. And then 
skinned his entire body, body. and hung it on a hook. Yeah. Ambien. Ambien. For when you want to skin a loved one. <laughs> now, back at the hospital, Knight was waking up, and she claimed to have no recollection of the events from the night before. However, she was arrested immediately and charged with the murder of John Price. Knight's trial would begin in October of 2001, and originally she pled not guilty. However, it would not get very far. It's unclear exactly what happened, but at some point, Catherine Mary Knight changed her plea to guilty. And because of this, the judge adjourned the case and testimony was never heard. And upon her sentencing, that same judge ordered Knight's papers to be marked never to be released. Additionally, Knight would make history as the first woman in Australia to ever be given a life sentence without the possibility of parole. Now, till this day, Mary Catherine Knight has yet to take responsibility for what she did. She attempted to appeal her conviction, but it was denied almost instantly. She's currently serving her life sentence at Silverwater Women's Correctional Center. And I don't know if you remember, Olivia, but we talked about that note being left at the very beginning of the episode. And that note insinuated essentially, as going through my research, that John Price's kids had sexually abused her children. Once they figured out what was going on, because remember, Knight couldn't read or write. Once they determined what that note meant, they did investigate and all of those claims were found to be baseless. So just wanted to put that out there. But that's this week's case. What are you thinking? Talk me through where you're at. First off, my nausea is way worse than it was before we started this. This one is just disgusting. I don't have any other words other than this one is just really gross. And Catherine Mary Knight should never be released from prison. I agree 100% with this judge because she's shown her track record of abusing and attempting to kill other boyfriends or husbands. And then this one, like skinning your boyfriend and cooking a meal to feed his flesh to his children. Something's not right. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's hard for me as we went through this case to not think about these children. Yes. And the children that are affected. Right. Because not only are John Price's kids now without a father, but Catherine Mary Knight, her kids now, you know what I mean? Like they were born to that woman and thinking about like what their life must have been in her care and growing up in those situations. Like if you're fighting with someone to the point where you're trying to stab them in in the chest and you have children. You know, we're growing up and finding out that when you were two months old, your mom put you on some railroad tracks because right, like that would mess you up. Like that's years and years and years of therapy needed, which, you know, in the research, unfortunately, didn't really get much into the kids, which, mm-hmm. you know, I say unfortunately, but it's probably pretty fortunate. Right. Because right. I mean, I'm sure in Australia, people probably know who they are. Yeah. But, you know, I would hope that like I might be able to get some distance from that if I was one of her kids, you know, I would change my name. Yeah. And if I look just like her, I'd dye my hair purple or I don't know, something. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you. I don't think she should ever get out. Mm -hmm. It is one of those things, too, where like, you know, I I definitely I don't sympathize with her at all. I'm not like, oh, this poor woman and her poor life. No, because she's obviously an aggressor. She's a danger to this to society. Yes, I agree. But I do think it's interesting to see the way that generational abuse and violence. I mean, this seems like the perfect example of like dominoes fallen, right? Right. Like I was born into like this scandalous affair. And then my, you know, I spent my life seeing my father hit my mother and sexually assaulting her. And then I was being sexually assaulted. And then I got with somebody and that continued relationship after relationship. 
And it's mm-hmm. like, as you're going through, you can see how it escalates, you know, like the first time it's like a pair of scissors, you know, like I grab scissors off a table and then it's no, this time I'm using a knife. Cause last time I used, and this time, you know, this time I'm going to skin you. Yeah. Yeah. And I also just can't, I mean, for a second, just like close your eyes and imagine like coming into a home and there's just a skin suit. I mean, being one of those cops, I'm sure this was in 2000. I'm sure they still have a form of PTSD from this. Oh gosh. Yeah. Like it would probably take me a second to be like, what is that? Like it's skin of some sort, but like a human body is definitely different than like an animal body. But I guess she's, I mean, I don't even want to picture that in my head. I don't know. Well, and in the research, you know, that's what one of the detectives talked about was like, he went up to it and like, you could see like curly hairs around the pubic area. Right. Or like the way that he was skin. Cause remember the head was skinless was- as well. So mm-hmm. she basically was like full, like human suit. Like you were hanging a jacket on a coat, like on a hanger. Right, right, you know? right. Yeah. No. Mm-mm. I mean, I just, I can't imagine. It was a hard one, but it was also super interesting because I was grossed out as I was going through it. But I was like, I want to know more about this. Like, I want to know how this ends, what happens. I also think that one thing that we didn't really talk about is that Australia had their first woman on um, basically death row in 2001. Well, she was the first woman to ever be given a life sentence without the possibility of parole. Yeah. Do you know how many women in the United States probably have that sentence? Probably a lot. A lot. Yep. And this is 2001 that they're yep. just giving the first one away. Well, if I remember correctly, and you know, again, we do have listeners from Australia that tune into the show and listen or hanging out on the Facebook. So if you know the answer to this question, definitely let us know. But I do believe that the Australian prison system, I think is more focused on like rehabilitation and reform. How it should, like what it should be. Yeah. It's not as big of like a, you know, industrial complex as it is here. I imagine in prison, she's got a pretty tough rep. I wouldn't mess with her. No, she is very capable of anything. She tried to strangle her husband. No, she'll turn you into a soup. Like, no, she's not. I, I would be her friend. I don't even know that I would talk to her. I don't I even know that I would look at eye. her. I wouldn't even, because you don't want to be her friend and then piss her off. And then she's coming after you in your sleep or when you're in the food line or whatever. Hell no. Yeah. Nope. She'd be making toilet soup. Just be your head and potatoes and carrots and stuff. You know, like they do prison wine or whatever. I'm, I'm not playing that game. No. Mm-mm. Well, let me ask you this. You know what the big question is? I got a big answer. If we're talking deadbolt test, where does this fall? I'm giving it a 10. Okay. Talk to me a little bit about why, because I know usually when we're, we're talking deadbolt tests, we're trying to put ourselves in you know in the, the victim shoes. shoes and things like that. And I was really curious as to what you were going to rate this because of the fact that it is like a, a relationship and stuff like that. So talk to me about it, why it's a 10. Sis made a skin suit in her living room and was going to feed him to his children. Like, I don't even need to compare myself. Like, me and Catherine, not going to be friends. Me and Catherine, not going to be lovers. Like, she's not coming after me. I'm not checking my locks tonight because I'm not afraid that Catherine's going to come in and get me. But, like, the grotesqueness of this and the mentality that she had doing this puts it at a 10. You know, I have to agree with you because I love my wife. There is nothing in our relationship that would ever suggest anything like this would ever happen, right? Like, I'm not right. scared of this happening to me. I mean, she looked pretty scary when she came in to say hello to the seat. Yeah, she's like, hey, what's going on? No, <laughs> <laughs> But um, for me, we've done a few cases where it feels like it is just highlighting the fact that there is true evil in the world. 
right? Like whether you're a religious person or something like that, like I don't think you can deny the fact that there are people walking around that are driven to do evil things. You know, I think we've done a lot of cases where it's, you know, kids make the wrong choice at the wrong time or maybe emotions run too high, but we've also done a fair share where it's like, Oh no, this person was just evil. Mm -hmm. And to be able to treat someone like a deer, you know what I mean? Like you would skin a deer to make venison chili. I eat that. So don't compare. Don't do that. My mom just brought me deer sausage actually into my freezer. (laughs) I'm sorry (laughs) to skin a person. Like you were going to make deer sausage is, (laughs) (sighs) I mean, you have to be a certain level of twisted, you know what I mean? And, I am sure that while John Price was like, yes, she's violent and we've had our issues. I'm sure that that was never anything that he expected. Right. That was not his radar at all. Oh, no. Mm -mm. I mean, this one just it hit differently. And where are you putting it? You haven't said I'm putting it at 10. Okay, I'm going to 10. I mean, I heard you say you agree, but I didn't know if you actually gave me gave it a 10. Yeah, I'm putting it at 10 simply because people can be evil and you never know what a person is capable of. And Catherine Mary Knight is very evil. Yeah. And, you know, I think it, again, it goes back to that question. Like, are you born a certain way or? Do your experiences make you the way you are? Right. Because if she was a two-month-old infant, I doubt that she had that kind of hate and violent. You know what I mean? She was probably a happy kid, but. She just needed to be held. When your life is just full with experience after experience after experience, it's like. You can turn, dude. You know what I mean? It's it's weird. It's all she knows. Yeah. And you just, you perpetuate those things, you know? So hopefully her kids and John Price's kids, like hopefully they've gotten the help that they need and are working to break that cycle or have broken that cycle. Because, I mean, I imagine that would take a lot of work to do. Well, that is where we fall on the deadbolt test for this week's episode. Olivia and I are both coming in at a 10, but we want to know where does Catherine Mary Knight fall on your deadbolt test? You can let us know. Reach out to us on Instagram at check the locks pod. Find us on Twitter at check the locks. We're on threads hanging out over there as well. And if you're not in our Facebook group, what are you doing? Come hang out with us. We would love to get to know a little bit more about you. Olivia, I have to tell you, this case left a bad taste in my mouth, but I am starving for a five-star review. Do you got one for us? I do indeed. I knew you were going to be punny. I'm sorry, that joke was in bad taste. <laughs> <laughs> this week's five-star review comes from Stevie P3685. They said, I love the podcast. My wife and I listened to it on our way up north to see my parents. It is very entertaining to listen to, and John and Olivia have a great chemistry with one another. The cases they choose are very interesting and intriguing. I like the small glimpses into their lives. Gives it a personal touch. Awesome podcast, guys. Keep up the great work. So thank you, Stevie P3685. Let us know who you are and we'll send you some cool stuff. Yes, Stevie P, thank you so much for listening, tuning in. But more importantly, thank you for letting us ride along with you while you head up north to see your parents. I know sometimes those car rides can be long, so we really appreciate that we get to keep you and your wife company. And just like Olivia said, we would love to send you some stuff. We got stickers, buttons, all sorts of cool stuff that we'd like to send because you left us that review. So reach out to us. You can find us on Instagram at check the locks pod. Find us on Twitter at check the locks. If you're on threads, you can reach out to us there. Or if you're in our Facebook group, send us a DM. Let us know. We'll get it out to you right away. If you're not a social person, that's totally fine. Head over to checkthelockspod.com. Click the email button. Drop us a line. Let us know where to send it. We'll get it out right away. 
And Olivia, if somebody is hankering to have their five-star review read on the podcast, what is the best way to do that? Well, they need to hop on over to the Apple Podcast app, go to our show's homepage, scroll all the way where you see all five stars, click all five stars, and leave us a little bit of love. Tell us what you think, and hopefully you'll be the next one read, and we'll send you some cool stuff too. And 100% what Olivia said, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us that review. If you need, there is a link in the show description of the episode that you are listening to now. Click that link, it'll take you right there. Also, if you're not an Apple user, that's totally fine. Leave us a review at checkthelockspod.com and just let us know that you left it. We would love to read that as well. We talk about it every single week, but these reviews really help us. They get us into other shows' recommendations. They help more people find the show and really help us to grow our audience and, and our family. So if you've taken the time to leave us a review, really appreciate it. If not, what are you waiting for? Use the link. Go ahead and leave one so we can read yours. And as always, if you are interested in financially supporting Check the Locks, you can do so by becoming a patron. Head over to patreon.com forward slash check the locks. Get signed up today. We got a lot of great benefits. We got stickers, exclusive t-shirts, coffee mugs, all stuff that you can only get for being a patron. Plus, you get the episodes ad free and early. So if you like Check the Locks, but you hate commercials, that is the best way to check it out. Also, Olivia, we launched our brand new Check the Lock store this week. All sorts of cool stuff. I might get myself some beer mugs, maybe a wine tumbler. Yeah, I was going to get a send my dad a beer mug and then get me some cool stuff. But mom did request today. Why isn't there a shirt that says Murder Court? Told her to take it up with John Connor. Maybe I'm waiting for something special. Maybe <laughs> I'll talk to you about it after the show. <laughs> but we got a bunch of new designs up there. We got tote bags if, hey, if you're a crop top person. You got a crop top. I'm not a crop top person. I cannot stand crop tops just because I'm a short torsoed woman. But um, yeah, if, you, if you're a crop top girl or guy, have at it. More power to you. I'm a short torsoed rounder belly, so it does not look good on me. But if you can pull it off, go slay. Go for it. Yes. King or queen slay to <laughs> do it. So if you want to help us out, maybe you don't want to, you know, subscribe monthly to a patron, but you like what we do. You want to, you know, wear a T-shirt or have a wine tumbler or something like that. You can check that out. It is checkthelockspod.com forward slash store. Check it out. Hopefully you'll find something that you like there. And if you cannot financially support Check the Locks, we definitely understand just listening and hanging out with us every week means just as much, if not more. So if that is you, you're listening, you're letting your friends and family know about the silly little podcast that we do, how much you like it. Just know that from the bottom of our hearts, we appreciate it more than we can tell you. That word of mouth, that grassroots approach is really what is going to help us grow. And again, just help us get in front of more listeners. So if that's what you've been doing, just know that we appreciate you more than we could ever tell you. That is all that we have for this week's case, but please make sure that you are subscribed to Check the Locks on your favorite podcast app so that you never miss an episode. We will see you again next week with a brand new, truly terrifying true crime case. But until then, don't forget to check the locks. See you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.